Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, good, Jason. First of all, you moved houses. Um, yes. Then I was busy, like, I'm trying to remember what I was doing. Um, like, whether it was work or it was getting kind of more settled in. And I started cycling about until I sprained my ankle and I was doing rehab. But uh, right. your house, you're good? You all moved in? I'm good. Yeah, I'm settled in. Uh, I'm definitely one of those guys that can't live out of boxes. I almost... I almost like didn't show up for work for like, like I took a week off and that wasn't enough. And the second week it was like <laughs> canceled a bunch of meetings because I just, I don't know if it's a bit OCD and being clean freak, but it's just like, if this is my office, it's, it's gotta be the way I need it to be. And I just, I can't do anything until that's done. It's very, um, and I'm like that in the real world too. Like when I, um, when I, when I do start a new job, it's like, I like to get in the office and then maybe, in my second week, I'll try and get there like an hour early to really set up my office and like mm. clean things, disinfect things. I don't want like peers <laughs> and my colleagues seeing that. You know, I okay. kind of just want it to happen when it gets in. But it's 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 like important for me. It's 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 a weird thing. I'm like, this is gonna be my space. I gotta make it. You know, okay. my space. So yeah, so that's all good. I, and yeah, I was busy with okay. that. And yeah, sorry, you're gonna jump in. Yeah, I was gonna say, I've you know, I I've only ever worked on teams where it was all like hot seating. Or like you know, open spaces at, at, at yeah uh, at, for the most part. I'm big yeah. on getting in there before everybody because then you get to control the tempo of the day. That's how for I sure. think. Me it's too, a bit like when you control the ball and you control the tempo of the game. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. How's um? How, how's your ankle these days? Just about there. A you know, little something okay. got tweaked, so I'm sort of doing another couple of weeks, um, and then I have maybe one more appointment. Then I should pretty much be there. I'm like doing this light running. That's part of the part of the rehab. I didn't. So we haven't talked since, but since since then, because it really was illuminating for me um, having injured my ankle. Now, like thinking about all the athletes we followed, all the kinds of injuries that we had, like that oh that they've had that we'd see, we're like wow, like. All I did was I landed wrong. I tore my ATFL ligament in my ankle, grade one. So it wasn't a big deal. Like I didn't need surgery or anything. But I'm thinking about these guys who go through those kinds of injuries and then just having to like try and get your motion back again, trying to just get basic use again so you can just work out, let alone get back to a level where you can compete against the elite athletes today, back to a level you were at. It's really remarkable when I think about how hard that must be because the physio told me that yeah like when you sprain your ankle when you're tearing your ligament just in any little bit way it's never 100 the same again it's always mm. just a little bit different so you just do your best to keep it immobilized so they can, can repair as much but it's never completely the same so then i started thinking about all these guys torn acls torn achilles etc cetera, etc cetera. and or like a clay thompson like god like missing over 900 days of um playing it's crazy when you mm -hmm. think about it at the same yeah. time too i remember like reading like a little blurb it's like well they, they were talking about his rehab and then he was fully good then he played a bit of pickup then he got injured and they're gonna say not to say that he wasn't taking his rehab seriously i'm like okay like you know what when you put in that kind of caveat you took your rehab seriously but you also decided to not follow exactly the instructions you were given which was probably don't play pickup is one of my guesses or don't do this or don't do that and you still decide well maybe it's okay to do this that's probably my guess probably a bit like john wall how he tore his achilles after his acl or something crazy like that which was never fully shed light on but so anyway it gave me much greater appreciation for what these guys do um the fact that at their age too some of them are well okay no no none of them are now we're actually kind of old some most of them are younger than us now um, Most of them are younger than us, yeah. But like, yeah. For, for for me, it was like I've had a few ongoing knee issues, but I'm like, I feel like with with my knee issues, if like, you know, like I if if and if I were an athlete, I could be like, you know what, with load management and you know, doing things, working a little bit smarter, I could be there for like big moments, you know, and I could push through with me. But with my back, it's like, nope, going nowhere. I don't like when, when Scotty Pippen talks about his back and all that <laughs> dance. It's like, brother, I, I'm 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 like right there with you. And you just can't move. You just, you can't, just, move. You just can't move. Yeah. And, there was um, one moment. I one day I woke up with a back, and I don't even know what hurt it, but I could not move. Yeah, uh -huh. it was quite stark. Um, 
so my physio, I mentioned LeBron and his him putting a million dollars into his body every year, all the stuff he does. So then yeah. um, I think the point of his groin injury came up. So then my physio, who's not into, he's an Irish guy. He's not into basketball. He just said, yeah, I was following that, his groin injury. He, he, did, he just said, LeBron, he did really good to come back. It was really only like a couple of months. I mean, he's like the kind of work he must have put in to, to, for that to happen because groin injuries are so tricky. They can go all these different ways. So he's pretty impressed. And then talking about the body and maintaining it, he said how the body's never quite the same. And he was just making that comment. I think I sent you that meme about Dirk, this comment saying he questioned, you know, I don't know if the last couple of years is really worth it. The pain he feels in his knee. Cause yeah, my physio was mentioning the point how a lot of these pro athletes, we just don't really get to hear this true stories about all the pain that they feel throughout the rest of their lives. Like, cause their bodies never really got a chance to heal and they get just early early um early onset arthritis you know throughout their yeah. life just because of all the different injuries and never allowing themselves to heal and just playing through these injuries just knowing that okay it's like another few million dollars just just make it just another couple of years you get this much more million dollars you know so yeah yeah and and and, and he's, he's he's a piece of shit but floyd mayweather has arthritis in his oh. hands he hasn't like like he had this going into the um into the pacquiao fight and okay. you know it's it's always reduced his sparring so he literally had to do what like stallone did in like the later rockies which is just, like he couldn't spar um it was everything was you know shadow boxing and, and other things and mind you more and more boxers aren't hard sparring anyways just for cte and and, and other you know just just wear and tear on on, on the head and body but you know, it's like, you know, Floyd was like 36, 37, like more or less our age. And he's still like, I'm sure at the time, wanted to really bank on that uh, Manny fight and fight a long time. And really he's only done, you know, he did the Connor fight, he did like a couple of stupid celebrity fights and, and that's it. Now he's probably just doing fights where it's just low tax and like he can't. So I think a lot of people, because he is kind of like this, you know, repulsive figure, I think a lot of people, you know, don't want to talk about like Floyd, like they don't feel sorry for him because, you know, of, of the physical limitations that he has, but that's really why he's limited to what he's doing now, because he can't just jump in there and fight guys 10 years younger than him, which a lot of boxers his age do in their careers. They, 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 they take those fights to kind of like show these young guys who's boss, like I'm leaving this sport, but right. not without taking a few more skulls. And he, he really can't do that because of his arthritis. Um, also, is there less of a desire to? Because it does seem like the angle where that combat sports is going is almost toward this entertainment realm, where like his biggest, his bigger paydays are going to come from almost non-boxers, really. Like if there's except, anyone who except, can... except if you fought Canelo again, that that would break okay. pay-per-view records like today. Because okay. since the since they fought the first time, Canelo's just gone up, up, and up, and now he's like the pay-per-view king of boxing, and he'd be facing the old pay-per-view king, and the appetite for that would be, you know, quite large, um, especially with Floyd having dabbled in the celebrity boxing with the Pauls. Like that's that's only raised his profile, whereas Canelo is just fighting like four times a year. Like no one does that in his position. So if if they ever did have that fight today, my God, that would I wouldn't say shatter records, like, but he would, he would, he would probably get the pay-per-view. Right. It, would, it would do better than the the Floyd Pacquiao fight for sure. Yeah. What about oh, that's Floyd the and Jake Paul? That didn't do anything. That didn't, oh, didn't do anything. Anymore. Okay. I know. No. Well, I mean, no, it's better than any WWE pay-per-view. Um, so it did did a lot, okay. but um, no, it didn't come close to the record. Not even close. Okay. Have you been able to keep up with the season so far? It's kind of a yeah. I would say COVID. That's a bit of a fluid up and down type season. It doesn't. It's not a season that has any dominant dominant storyline. Is how I'm seeing it. Because even the failure of the Lakers is not really a dominant storyline. In my opinion, it's sort of like just fading away into irrelevance. Again, if I think if you're talking to like you know uh, basketball diehards, they'll you know they'll talk about like oh you have no idea how you know all well jo- Joel Embiid is. Which by the way, I, I picked as my MVP, and it's not looking too yeah. bad. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I say about a lot of things, like you seem, you, you think this might be a pedestrian NBA season. And then next thing you know, like you're watching a documentary of it 10 years from now, it's like, oh my God, that was such a good NBA season, right? Everything, <laughs> went, 
better. Um, but yeah, like it's it's been fun. I've been I've been really happy with Pascal Siakam. Like his he got a lot of shit going into this year because um he, yeah. he did like an he did like an interview where he doubted himself and to me like 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 again I'm I'm ready to open up the Paul Heyman school of like um self promotion and don't ever do that interview. Like like don't ever talk about your weaknesses and shortcomings. Like you say that for like the players tribune like 20 years after your playing career, but like in you just signed a max deal. Like don't cuz we don't there's too many people that that will just take that and use it against you. Like there's just not enough good actors in this world, good like stewards of information like that that will like you know, for me, I don't take sports all that seriously. So when he says that, I'm just like, that's cool, man. You do you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. I like you. I, you're from Toronto. But, you know, there's people that are just going to use that against them when, when you have that self-doubt and the fact that he was so candid about an interview. So I'm glad, like, he's having the best year of his career. He's going to get, he's not going to, he's going to get the snub for the um, all-star, but he's playing at an all-star level. So every game I've seen from Seattle, I'm, I'm seeing this, like, um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, there was one year that like DeMar DeRozan just said like, like, you know, it was like post Bosch, like post Rudy Gay. And he just like, I'm an all-star. And so is Kyle Lowry. But like, I remember it was like DeMar DeRozan played at the all-star level kind of a little bit before Kyle Lowry did. And I'm seeing that in Pascal right now. And then coincidentally, like DeMar is like having like just, like we're we're Demar guys, you know. We're just like I, I I maybe you want to touch on that, but like I'm just so you know ha- I'm happy for him. I don't want to seem like I'm giddy for him because but like you know they to have a career resurgence and who knows how far the Bulls will come. But like if the Bulls end up winning the NBA championship and it's in large part due to like Demar Derozan's contribution, that's just oh yeah i think i didn't know if i was alone in really just being uh like uh like seeing the bulls and particularly the success of Demar's like a a proxy toronto raptors season in a way like i don't know just i don't know if i was if i was the only one who still felt that affiliation with uh damar that affinity for damar um i think a lot of people do yeah, I've been very happy to see him really flourish in that yeah. in the Bulls with the Bulls team. Really, that whole team, but Demar in particular, just because of his whole history with Toronto. But like yeah. a lot of those guys, so I was really trying to think of the best analogy for that Bulls team because, first of all, like when the Bulls were being put together and they were being shit on by ESPN, I was like, I don't think they're gonna suck actually. And like what I think what I get irritated with is when they go, oh, you know, like they're going to be, that's going to be, that's not going to be, that's not a good idea. That's not good. They're going to be okay in the regular season and they'll get in the playoffs, but that's not good. It's like, okay, like one team out of 30 gets to win the championship. Two teams get to compete in the finals. It can't be we that we say that, Oh, it's all a waste of time unless you're the two teams out of 30. That's just, that just, it's like, what's the point of even having a league if that's how you're going to cover the sport uh, cover. The, yeah. Anyway. So, so the bulls though, I always thought I had, I had like um, hopes and sort of an, a feeling that they were going to be good. Okay. I didn't expect them to be like number one in the conference, but I thought they were going to be like really good. And it's been really good to see all those guys come together. Caruso has really impressed me. I didn't, Absolutely. I didn't think much of him in LA. I just thought he was another one of those guys who like the LeBron James all-star, like the LeBron James, no name all-stars. Like, you know, just every team he's on, they always seems to be always this one guy that sort of is like an undrafted or unheralded guy who, get some prominence because he's on LeBron's team and it seems to be a really contributing guy. Like it was, it was Booby Gibson, Norris Cole, Matthew Della Vadova, and now um, Alex Caruso. And I don't know if anybody else I'm forgetting in the past. What but... about Kuzma? Kuzma's like, remember you and I did a podcast uh, where we were like, where we were like Kuzma's just a guy. And he's yeah, like, so maybe a little no, bit. No, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Kuzma was already a guy before LeBron showed up. Um, I said he was just a guy. I said like, who cares if Kyle Kuzma leaves? I remember. I remember. Oh yeah. That. And in the end, well, and in the end, it's just like shit. Well, okay. You know what? I think not just you, but everybody I know, like, because when they did the Rust Rustbrook for KCP Kuzma and I forget the third guy trade, I was like, man, that's a great haul for the Wizards. They're getting those uh-huh. guys, and then 
They're doing this, and then, oh, yeah, they pull up Kuzma's stats. I'm like, yeah, but the stats were on a different team in different circumstances. Let's just see what he does. And it's like, I think he's going to be – and it's like, I just, like, I don't care what the stats show. I'm like, when those when it was the playoffs, like, in the bubble year, like, who did it look like when the ball was going to their hands that they were going to do something that I was not going to be happy with because I was rooting for the Heat? Like, which of those guys? And I felt that way about Kuzma. So I don't know – when people were shitting on Kuzma, maybe I wasn't watching enough last year or not, like before he's got traded, but, um, but I had, I had high hopes now. So I'm not, I felt vindicated. I don't feel surprised by seeing Kuzma emerge, like playing better. Mm -hmm. And there was that uh, quote saying, I think there was a quote somewhere on IG. Like, he's just like, he, yeah. Like he's like, I'm playing with LeBron. So I got to fill a certain role and now I'm not playing with LeBron and I'm on the wizards and I fill a different role. And so I train Mm -hmm. differently. But based on my situation, and that is what a professional does. Professional figures Absolutely. out what is needed to, 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 to like add value in an or, any organization. Yeah. And that's how you go from drafted. I don't know where he was drafted. It was not high out of Flint, Michigan to, you know, having a career and, you know, that's how you do it. That's what you got to do. So bulls fun to watch. Everyone fits a role. Kuzma impressed. Um, I'm thinking what my other takes, my other big takeaways, like, before we get to it, he was he was 27th overall yeah that's round. right mm-hmm. that's right yeah um, um, Brooklyn, that's... the raptors and, you know i'm just i was just gonna quickly before you talk about the raptors completely agree with you with media it's like a zero-sum game it's like we're either going to talk about the team that's going to win the championship or your team sucks and you made all the wrong moves in the offseason because you're going to lose in the playoffs but then like years later it's like, yeah, Dirk's one of the greatest, even though he lost more than he won in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like he, he, like you know, um, it's 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 crazy how basketball media, probably more in, in other sports, gets away with that. Just that zero sum thinking that um, there's only one winner in you know off season trades, free agents, drafts. Only one team's making all the right moves. And of course that changes, you know, you, you turn on like first take and it's just like top 10 reasons why the Bucks are going to win the championship. And then like next week, it's just like, oh, oh, well, why the Sixers are, you know, just steamrolling everyone in the East for an easy championship this year. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, we can, we're going to have another media pod. I know to discuss. Our, uh, <laughs> yeah. We keep talking about doing another media that. pod, but uh, you were, um, were going to talk about the Raptors. Uh, yeah, I was just—I was only gonna make some comment that man, really fun to watch. Big fan of Scotty Barnes, gonna be great. Um, and yeah. I think that you know, I remember we talked about the calendrical years. We won't beat that dead horse, but there's a difference between being this, being a kind of a losing team that doesn't look like you have promise, yeah. doesn't look fearsome, and then a losing team that looks like okay, they're learning and they're they're gonna become something. And that's what I see in the Raptors—a younger team that's sort of, well, I mean not really losing so much anymore lately, but um, across the totality of the season, like if the Raptors, I mean, what are we thinking? First round and out, you know, it's, maybe get to the second round, possible. maybe, you know, yeah. and so it just depends yeah. who that first round matchup is. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but which is okay too, because you're right. I mean, save the Raptors did make the playoffs the years that they had like Turkaloo and Jermaine O'Neal when they do get bounced. Like Jermaine O'Neal is not going to be better for you the next year. Scotty Barnes will yeah. be better next year. Yeah, right. prob- it's possible Siakam has another level. I am shocked that Freddie had this level. I didn't think he'd be, you know, I was, you know, I always saw Freddie as like a good player, but like a poor man's um, Kyle Lowry, and he, he still might be. I, he's to me, he's not there yet, but he, you know, he might emerge. So the the promise is there, you know, for I sure. I didn't, so. yeah. I would say Fred Van Vliet has shown me something I didn't expect from him. I would never have guessed that he could be an all-star. I didn't think that. I thought he could be, like, just really good. Basically, like Alex Caruso, just a really good player who will have a good career. And he could be a great role on, like, any contending and championship team. I didn't expect that he could be an all-star. So that's really something that surprised me. Yeah, I, I'd say with him, is he seemed like a really – mentally bulletproof guy and yeah that's right he's convinced i think he's convincing himself that he's an all-star and then sure enough he's an all-star so you know and again it's one of those 
it's one of those things. Like I, I enjoy being wrong about these players. I'm not really against them, but you know, you and I are doing a show, and it's just like, what are you seeing, Kyle Kuzma? It's like shit. I don't. I see him being a, um, you know, um, a LeBron water carrier. Like I don't see much of him, and that's fine. The Lakers got rid of him, and the next thing you know, he's showing up in Washington and, and doing good things. It's just like cool. Don't mind being wrong. It's good to see. It's fun. You know, something funny is um, Bucks. Honestly, I think it might be the team name and uniform. It doesn't matter how good they've become or whatever. I just hate watching them play, even though Giannis is really like just incredible to watch. Yeah, it's just something. I actually think that I'm biased against some teams if they have bad team names and uniforms and branding. I actually think that. I think that, like. The Utah Jazz, the Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> yeah, Sacramento Utah. Kings. The when, Kings actually are not so bad, but no, I think. Oh, well, you tell me. Sacramento seems like a decent city. I don't know. They're. I haven't been. Um, it. I. I wouldn't think much of it really. If just if I think of Bay Area at large, it just you know Bay Area town, city, whatever. Because because but, Sacramento was a really rabid like. MMA and pro wrestling town. Oh, right. Okay. Never, never clicked with that. It's funny you mentioned about the Bucks because when they were showing, like, like Giannis, that was such an all-world. Like he was the best player in the world during the finals last year, right? It was just like that's that's what I thought we were watching. But independent of that, you're right. They're showing the arena. They're showing the people outside, and it's packed. It's during COVID, and all I kept thinking was like, wow, that looks really boring outside. It just it just looked like a church congregation. I just never got the impression <laughs> that like those people were having a good time. Nor was I jealous that I wasn't part of that. Like, I don't give a fuck what's going on. I do not want to be, that look, looks such a, like a boring party. It's Milwaukee. It's Milwaukee. How, how, how good can it be? Um, if that was like 40,000 New York Knicks fans outside of MSG. Okay. Then like That's sign funny. me up. Would would love nope. to be there, but but there, but that did nothing for me as a as a television viewer watching. I you know yeah I agree thing. with you. But would you want to tailgate at Green Bay? No, no. Okay. Uh, you have to understand. I'm I'm I like watching sports by myself. I don't care to yep. go <laughs> ever again. I think if I had to choose something, it would probably be. Um, God, I don't even know, like, cause, cause a lot of my favorite MMA guys are like pretty much being fizzled out. Like, I would have loved to have watched some some fights in my prime. Um, maybe some soccer matches back in the day. Okay. Um, but again, like my favorite Portuguese squads are like gone. Like, I have no, like, I just I just watch them now, just out of you know a, a bit of yeah. national pride. But yeah, but no, I can't I can't honestly say there's. Also, I'll, you know what? You've actually given me something to think about. I have to circle back. Is there a sporting event that I would like want to attend today, you know, pushing 40? And the answer right now is no. Yeah, I think that as you get older, the excitement is gone. But I'll say I'm the same way. And, you know, you're not even the first person who's like a really big sports fan, in a general sports fan, who said the same thing to me. There was one of my colleagues when I was back in Toronto. He like whatever sport you want to talk about, he could really dive into it the same way you can, but, and as, as, as emotive and as expressive, he would get talking about it. I don't know. Someone, this topic came up. He just said, actually, you know, if like when I watch sports, you would be surprised how I am. I just sit there quietly sipping yeah. a drink. Might be a Coke, might never be a beer. Cause I want to be focused. He's like, I'm just yeah. sitting there watching and same. I don't talk. I hate it when people talk around me when I watch. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Who, who, so the, who is it? Who, who is the spirit animal that you're speaking of? You have to connect that together. Like, my God, that's funny. My, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, no, that, yeah. That's, that's exactly like I, I can't go to. There was a time where it was fun that's to go funny. to UFC. Shout out to gender. Um, yeah, there was times where I used to enjoy going to watch. You know, like the Brock Lesnar UFCs. You know, maybe, maybe that would draw a casual. But I don't know. I was thinking of like when I, like I'd go to Boston Pizza. And it was like Diego Sanchez versus Clay Guida. And it's like me and like 10 other people that are like actual fight fans. And we watched and we like, you know, we didn't get too rowdy. As the match got excited, our level would match, but it wasn't anything like, you know, it, it wasn't fanboyish. It wasn't like going to a Connor fight 
where people just like don't watch, don't consume any MMA. They don't even know what this guy's good at, what he's bad at. They just know that Connor's the best in the world. You ask him specific questions like, oh yeah, did you watch him in Cage Wars? Like, no, what's that? Um, that's when it like, you know, the commercialization of it just, you know, okay. I wanted to go less and less when UFC was just in its niche sport before, you know, got the ESPN deal and all that stuff. Um, you know, that's definitely when I enjoy it. And then, you know, yeah, you're right. You get a little bit older, um, a new wave of fans come, which is great for the sport. It's lining up because if you care about athletes, like I do, you, you want this young generation to come that spends money and, you know, hopefully it's trickle down economics, like the fires get paid more as a result. So you definitely want that to happen. But at the same time, you know, gun to my head, no, I don't really want to participate in this. I just want to be in the home, sip my drink, eat my food and, you know, watch it in peace and, and consume it the way I want to consume it. So watching uh, UFC, I, I used to get out to um, watching the sports bars just with some guys from work here a few times and everyone sort of just did sort of doing their own thing. But it was um, so because of the time difference, it's always Sunday morning here. So we go around like 9 a.m., 10 a.m. So we just drink. We start drinking around 10 a.m. Um, the crowds in the when watching, it didn't seem so casual. I'm thinking well, I could be wrong, but because you're really into it. But but I remember I was watching Brock versus. Um, sorry, you know what? Just give me a second. I need to quickly hand something. And I actually worked out what I would have made. I actually kept in touch with a couple of uh, UPS guys, and I roughly know what they make now. So basically, I did the math like the other day because I, I hate my current job and okay. i said wow if i if i had stuck with ups <laughs> it's like i would have done you know i would have made the best money i was making at the time not the money i'm making now but i also had like a 10-year head start making that money and if i just saved and okay you know i would have been happier um so yeah like it's one of those like <laughs> one of those things man like i have to think back to it it's like fuck you know it's like you know, this, might have been a... i've asked different friends who are like what you know about like what would be the job that you could do if you just needed to fill your time you know like let's say you were bored in retirement you just want to do something what's that job you might have had when you were younger like you know what that was kind of fun and there were for whatever reason you don't do it because you're like well it's not going to earn enough to sustain what I need to do when I'm growing up or, or whatever the reason, or like, you just want to, yeah. you know, you owe it to yourself to go and, you know, like Matt Damon and go to a hunting, you know, you owe it to yourself to go to, to California yeah. to chase the girl, even though he likes yeah. laying brick, like what was that job for anyone? And like, I don't know. I've had a few of these jobs, like where I was like processing cash. I don't know. If it, like when I was at Royal bank, I used to just put cash in the machine and it's sorting it out or oh, yeah, processing right. mortgage. Yeah. Like, the buckets of cash that you put in the ATMs, you bring them all out. It's all disheveled. You have to throw it into the machine. It sorts it out and puts an elastic band on it. You've got to track it. 20 minutes can process about 2 million bucks, roughly. Um, your hands That's are incredible. filthy dirty by the end of the day because it's money you're yeah. touching. And then yeah. you're scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing until the smell comes off and it may or may not come off that day. Um, oh, man. And then like... Uh, but it's interesting to see all those workings and you're like, man, so people put it, you know, like, tell me when you deposit money into an ATM, like, do you put it into an envelope and you seal it and you put it in the little hole and then it, you have to type in the number. Is that how it still works? Or do they change the machines no, now? Um, it's funny because I worked at a credit union here. Um, okay. Meridian Credit Union. So they actually, I, I believe the, I believe the main cash machine, it's called Diebold. Okay. Diebold basically like Diebold machines, you, you'll see them and they basically, the slot opens you could put in check or cash. It's going to scan it. It's going to then confirm to you that this is the right amount that you put in. So no, okay. no envelope needed. And you can actually oh, okay. mix. They're actually quite specific. You can mix, uh, yeah, you can mix bills. You can mix cash with checks. Okay. In the same like, so yeah, it's pretty, yep. pretty Just throw it in the hole. Thank God that they are there. Cause when I left Canada, it was about 10 years ago, amazingly. And I went to Malaysia which is not a paragon of progress and productivity of, of even when you think about fast growth countries in Asia, Malaysia is just, okay, growing fast, fine. If you want to look at rate, but if you're there, you're not feeling like you're living on the edge of, you know, modernity. But anyway, like go to the May bank, which is one of their local banks. And we're trying to, it's all cash. I'm not using credit cards or anything like that in the country. I'm a foreigner. So I'm just like, 
I'm like, whoa, where do I deposit? I'm looking for the envelopes and you realize, oh, the machine, you just throw the cash in the little hole, it closes and it counts it all and sorts it. So me and my buddy who was from New York are like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, that's not how it works in Canada. You got to put the money in the envelope and seal it and throw it in the little, little screening hole. And then it's going through all that, all those humans that, that I worked with have to open the envelope and do all that stuff. And that's crazy. It's like, and so even when I went back in 2015, I feel like I still saw the ATMs were like, you still have to use those little envelopes. So, but anyway, so for at least 10 years in Asia and here in Southeast Asia, they've been doing like, here's the hole that you throw all the cash into. Checks do not exist. Uh, no, no, that's not, that's not true. People do actually use checks. I mean, well, let me, let me phrase that. Checks exist as a method of payment, but nobody uses them. Um, yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like I think Diners Club still exists. And like, <laughs> <laughs> which 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 i i think i've mentioned that like um it'd be hotels for me like if i could go back and just yeah. do a job and like just yeah. some, something about hotels and hospitalities and, and especially like the i don't think i'd want to work for like a massive like ritz carlton or anything just like, oh, that, like a you boutique know? bed and breakfast type thing or like a nice no, little boutique hotel or nothing like that no 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 like a real chain restaurant but like the the intermediate line like the hilton garden Inn, where it's like you know, it's like okay. regular, like you, you get that, like, you know, you get those real professionals, but you also yep. get like, you know, you also get like the soccer tournaments and stuff like that. Um, okay. Okay. You know, by a, the way, a bit of mix. Hilton Garden Inn was my quarantine hotel when I, they, that's where they put me in Singapore. I got that oh, wow. in little India. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. I almost wonder you and I could probably do a whole podcast on different jobs or particularly you, because I feel like you've had like, I don't know, just yeah, yeah I, I mean, you, well, like, you know, I had this job and that's like, that so amazing. It's well, like, that, uh, that's what happened. Like, like I didn't have a career until I was like, after, like over 30. Right. So <laughs> yeah, like you, you like a lot of part-time jobs and a lot of temp yeah. agencies and you name it, like hotels, work for Weight Watchers, like you name it. Like, oh shit, you everybody. work for Weight Watchers too. Work for Weight Watchers for two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay data entry and as well as people being like, I'm locked out of my account and I lost like, you know, <laughs> I was in a caloric de- I was in a caloric deficit all this week and now I won't record my things. Like <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, it was uh yeah, it was uh it was in you know, you, you talk about Malaysia. I like what you said, uh, Paragon of Progress. I remember like Portugal, like again, you know, poor Western European country compared to other European countries and like yeah. Like I remember when they had like assigned seating for like IMAX theaters. It's like this is awesome. Like I would love to reserve seating, and Canada was still like ten years away. Oh from that. yeah. And uh, and even their supermarkets, like you could have like express checkout, where it's just you and a machine, where you would scan yep. in, and yep. like they had it, and just like what the hell, like you know how does uh, oh when was this? This was probably Portugal and during the pandemic, right? No, no, no. These are oh. like okay. So, so movie theaters with assigned seating was like, you know, maybe not ten years, but over five years before our famous players and AMC's had them here in Toronto. Okay. And then so, with, and then with grocery stores having self checkout, that too was like five years before we ever had it here. Okay, so assigned seating. Um, first time I ever encountered it was when a friend of mine in Hong Kong was probably 2006. He's like, you're going to watch a movie with me. And I got these tickets. So he, he, I mean, he reserved the seats. And I was like, no, me being a fucking ignorant person at the time was like, Oh, that's not cool. You reserve the seat. So it's like, I was on the mindset of like, you know, like in Canada, you can show up early and take whatever seat you want. But if somebody reserves yeah. it, they've taken away from you. I'm completely ignoring the idea yeah. that all I have to do is just reserve the seat before anybody else. But anyway, um, so that was 2006 in Hong Kong. And I was like, well, that's really mind blowing. And then I went to South Africa a couple of years later. Um, and I was a few years later, I was like, oh, you can reserve seats here too, just like in Hong Kong. Uh, I'm like, yeah. so it's just Canada, we can't do it. And then the self checkout, I did do self checkout at the Loblaws in Toronto. Um, I used that every time I could because I didn't think anybody was a better cashier than me. Like I was, my cash when I was a cashier at Sobeys, so I felt like I could do it fa- better and faster than any of them. So I like that. I always go for the self checkout here in Singapore, which is everywhere. All the all the places have self checkout. The thing right. is, is that um, 
Yeah, they have to do it here because in Singapore, they have a issue with oyster supply, with labor supply. So actually, a lot of the people that work service jobs like cashiers, um, cashiers, waiters, etc., they're actually themselves foreign workers who get work passes to come in from like Philippines, um, Malaysia, oh, etc. Yeah, it's really it's so if you go to like Singtel, which is like Rogers, Rogers or Telus, like and you go sign up for your new cable package, you sit at the table. The person sitting across from you is usually someone who's been brought in on a work visa. It's kind of interesting. Wow. You know, wow. like they don't, because the population here is not big enough for all those jobs. And you're talking yeah, about yeah. also wages. And so, um, so th- I thought that was kind of interesting when I came here. Now, the, the part about uh, self checkout, yeah. But you know, interesting, a lot of people here of all ages still like to go to a cashier. I don't know, for some reason. They, I don't know. They even if it means lining up, I just find that really interesting. They still prefer to, to well, go here, to a cashier. Here we do it so we can price match, and you can't do it when you self check out, right? If you uh, have online okay. coupons, yeah. So, okay. and you know, with 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 us, you know, uh, family of four, you know, everything from price of milk to you know, you name it, just going up. Like, yeah, if you can save. Thirty yeah. or fifty dollars uh, um, a trip—that's worth it, for sure. Exactly. So my wife does all that, and yeah, it pays off. So, two big things I want to cover with you: the LA Lakers and Russell Westbrook, because he's your guy. Russ Westbrook is one of your guys. Yeah, have you yeah. had any thoughts or sentiments or emotions? First of all, watching Westbrook in his current state, and also the Laker team at large. Like, I don't know, has, has it resonated with you anyway? Or are you basically tuned out because you just can't be bothered to deal with this losing team anymore? No, no, no. No, like, I I, I both feel for the guy and also I'm, I'm frustrated. That, like, you know, he clearly, Russell Westbrook, he's clearly going to be a guy that it just seems like it was never the right fit. Okay. Maybe if OKC stuck together. It's very possible. They were all young mm-hmm. enough. And coming up, it's, it's very possible, but that didn't happen. So now it's 2022. Russell Westbrook is 30s. He's had a bunch of injuries. His MVP years are, are behind him, but he can still have those bursts of explosion. Like he's still posterizing guys. Like he'll 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 miss like 10 shots in a row and just like hit like high glass and just ugly shots. <laughs> next thing you know, he's absolutely postering someone. Like. And that, that was something that, you know, you and I talked about that I was worried that, like, this once physical player is, like, gone. But it's clearly hand-eye, you know, shot form, bit of confidence, you know, a lot of similar things to what Ben Simmons is going through. So so a couple things. I, you know, I – clearly it's not the right situation, and I just don't know why the court hasn't been cut. Um, I know they tried to make a move with him. I believe the NBA rejected a trade between him and John Wall. Um, but that's like, why wait till the last minute? I mean, this, the, the writing has been on the wall for a while. This team is not going to be good enough. They're not going to gel in time. The, this, this LA Lager experiment failed. So all those guys that were going into the season saying, I don't know, they're all too old. And, you know, LeBron and Carmelo trying to prove them wrong. Hey, man, it'll work out. Not a big deal. At least not for me. So, you know, uh, just pull the plug, make some moves. I'd get rid of the coach personally. Um, don't he just you could you can just tell that LeBron has zero respect for the Lakers coach. Um, <laughs> it, it's very positive. Like it, it's it's and LeBron's done this in the past, right? And <laughs> I'm I'm just shocked that a guy with his stature. And moves have not been made. Like they're gonna waste a season unless they sneak into eight. But even still, like I, I, the Raptors at number eight are gonna do more damage in one to two playoff rounds than the LA Lakers are at the eight seed. You know what I mean? Like these are yeah. two completely different eight seeds. If that's where they're going, so that's um, a good point. I, I would love for Russell to get a fresh start. You know, and I actually don't care if he keeps getting fresh starts. Like, who cares? Like, put him in Sacramento, put him in a winning team. I don't know. I I, I don't think it's ever going to work out. But I, but like anything else, I, I'd love to be surprised. But for the Lakers' sake, yeah, they should, probably should, you know, make a couple of moves, which now are probably too late. Now they're probably stuck with this team. So they're really in this weird purgatory. And um, I don't know. That's, that's, 
um, I'm emotionless, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, they, there were some moves to be made. They, for whatever reason, just didn't make them early enough. So I, unless there's some brain trust there that really thinks that they can gel late in the season, um, I, I don't know why this team is still together. So I was one of the few, I guess, who was okay with, with Russell Westbrook on the Lakers. I saw the upside and I saw the downside. Yes. I saw the possibility that this could go badly. I didn't think it would go this badly, but I also thought that, Hey, maybe this is crazy enough to work. I thought maybe you just take three great basketball players and they will figure out how to be great. You know? Yeah. Like that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought upside. Said it perfectly. Um, yeah, but it didn't work out. And with Russ, I guess at some point, you kind of can't be too surprised when once great athletes just start to falter. I think his it's just he comes across as a bit stubborn and defensive um, in his interviews. Like it doesn't. I'm not. You know, not just his interviews, but through his play. Like he hasn't really appeared to evolve over the years where he's picked up the skill gotten better at the skill you know tried anything but different he just seems a bit stubborn um in some ways the oklahoma city thunder team except kevin durant it seemed like a lot of those guys well a lot it's really the two the three, big three of that oklahoma city thunder with, with when you had the young thunder it's interesting that james harden and russell westbrook as talented as they are both those guys I don't know if they appear to to you know adapt adapt well. James remains to be seen. Um, maybe I'm not giving James enough credit because maybe we haven't he hasn't been in situations enough to be tested to to have to adapt. But Russell now, um, Kendrick Perkins made that really good point that this is the first time Russ is having to actually play think like a basketball player because he always got to be in control of his whole team pretty much his entire career in Oklahoma City Thunder. Washington Wizards, Houston Rockets, but the Lakers now with LeBron and AD, he can't just do whatever he wants. He's actually got to adapt to other people's play. Um, the coach, that's interesting. You have that view. Is like, I mean, he won the he was the coach when they won the championship just two years ago. Um, you think that another coach would be able to harness these assets and get a better result out of all these guys? You don't think that. It's, I mean, it's not the coach making Russ shoot the ball that hits the backboard and bounces high in the air, you know? Yeah. Um, let me think about that for a second. You're, you're right, but you, just like you said, they were crazy enough. This experiment might have been crazy enough to, to work. Um, Maybe another coach. Or, okay. Yeah, well, no, I would just say that conversely, um, you know, they're they're missing something. So, um, and like, okay, they they won the championship. Congratulations! You're like, you're Larry Brown. You're 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 uh, a, a, a <laughs> Pistons. Like, yeah, Carlisle, you yeah. were. Yeah, you were you were part of that team. Um, He's just never, the Lakers have never been a team under this coach that I've thought that like, you know, like, because when, when I'm thinking about the brain trust, it's really like, it, it, it's probably. Oh, like Rob Palenka. Every, 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 well, every, every, I just feel like everything's got to run through LeBron. And oh, okay. yeah. when, when, like, you're the consulting guy, when you have like, like, what do you call it when like, you know, the head engineer, actually, no. What do you call it when like the chief operating officer has to run everything through, you know, the head engineer who's like maybe two, three <laughs> A grades below him? I'm sure that happens often, but like, you know, th that does happen, you know, and that's what I think you're always going to have with, with, um, yeah, with LeBron as, as your, as your captain. Um, so I think there's change for change sake that has to happen. And, you know, Russell and the coach, it's probably like, you know, it's, it's placebo. We talk about it all the time, like why Doc Rivers keeps getting chance after chance because like he has an effect immediately when he first starts and then like it wears thin over time. And that's what coaching changes happen sometimes. Um, so this, none of this, nothing's going right this season. Russell's disgruntled. He's, you know, saying the wrong things. 
And, you know, this coach, I don't think the, the few times I've, I've heard him speak, he's talking about how, like, he's his reasons why for benching Russell, like, he just, it's situational basketball. And, you know, people will turn around saying, well, why aren't you having your best players on the court? Um, so that's my big thing with the coach. Back to Russell as well. It's funny how, like, him, I just checked this out. DeMar DeRozan's only 32 years old. I don't know why I thought he was, like, 36, 37. Um, Mm. Isn't it crazy how, like, they're (laughs) – who's peaking at the right time? Oh, yeah. That's an interesting point. I never even thought of it that way. But, yeah. It's it's crazy. Like, 10 years ago, who would you rather have wanted? It's like now. like not even a question. Yeah. yeah, And and it's – it just goes to show you, like – Russell still has the physical gifts, but didn't grow as a basketball player. DeMar might be limited compared to other wing players in the league. Uh, although he was a talented dunker. He was basically labeled like a dunker when he first came in. Um, yeah. And, but he's, he's just like a complete basketball player now. And now, you know, and DeMar has gone from like, you know, mental health advocate to like being a leader. I see him sm- every time I see clips, he's smiling He's make he's calling game now on like you know back to back games right so it's like yeah. Lamar it's like second left it's just like because I remember him struggling uh, struggling to make those shots in Toronto and um, yeah it's it's really amazing how these just you know two things when you think that Russell's going to be great for his entire career and, and he maybe is not. And just when you think that like DeMar gets shipped off to San Antonio, he's just going to be another former all-star who couldn't yeah. quite cut it. And now he's getting the second crack at greatness. Um, so that's, that's a really, in, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I think, you know, it also lends credence to my theory about the Canadian inferiority complex in, infecting the Raptor organization for the most part, and all those players, as soon as they leave, they, they find themselves Kyle out kind of find Kyle. I find found some skill like as uh, in the later part of his time in Toronto, but DeMar DeRozan, he got out of Canada, got away from the negativity in the Canadian media and the fans. And he was able to find himself and grow. And now you're seeing like the fruits of all that labor he put in, in San Antonio also got to work in like a San Antonio regime that has had a history of developing talent. Um, so yeah, and, with the and, 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 and there's there's no doubt in my mind that if the Raptors were able to get Kawhi Leonard and keep Kyle Lowry, maybe give up like a, I don't know a Norm Powell and a JV, like that team's winning that year as well, and he's like integral a part yeah. of that team. He probably takes a lot of the load off of Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard probably doesn't do um, as much as he had to do, and like hobbled after like key games. So. Yeah. It's it's just really chance that you know Demar Derozan didn't win in Toronto. Um, he ended up getting traded for a better piece. Don't get me wrong, but there's no one. It's it's not like it's not a it's not a copy and replace there. You know what I mean? It's just like like okay. we didn't win because of Leonard. We we didn't win because we added Leonard, subtracted Kawhi. Uh, sorry, we didn't win because we added Leonard and subtracted Derozan. We won because Leonard came. Uh, Gasol came and Kyle peaked clearly and it was just you know Nick Nurse was clearly the culture change that happened so much happened that you you can't convince me that like oh okay. DeMar DeRozan it's, it's not winning because we that. subtracted DeMar is what you're saying it's not winning because we Absolutely. subtracted DeMar yeah I agree with you there's a lot of other things happening yeah. um I mean in fairness to DeMar is just a different player today he's a different man today he's just yeah. better he's just better it happens. Sometimes you have to take your lumps and then you get better. Um, yeah. and, and you know what, though? Like, DeMar right now, like, he's playing with the most talented squad he's ever played with in his career on that Chicago Bulls team. None Probably. of the Raptor teams he ever was on were as talented uh, across the roster as this, as this Bulls team is. That's my view. And I don't think yeah. that other than Pop and San Antonio, well, like, let's say the Toronto teams, he never had a coach as good as Billy Donovan. Okay, I shit on Billy Donovan before because I didn't know what he was doing with the Oklahoma City Thunder. But, yeah. you know, like, maybe maybe he just didn't have the personnel he would have liked. You know, maybe that's it. But Billy Donovan was a national champion in the NCAA, so I guess it has to count for something. But, um, 
Well, even yeah, if we, I don't I think mean, highly of him. Yeah, even we, if we I don't both think highly of Billy Dolan. Yeah. Even if I don't think highly of him, I still put him above Dwayne Casey. And, okay, well, we'll get there. But Dwayne Casey, and who was before Dwayne Casey? Was uh, Sam Mitchell? Yeah, whatever. The Canadian, the Canadian guy before Sam Mitchell. Oh, Jane Tri- Jay Triano. Okay, we're not even going to mention him because... Oh, you know what? I forgot. He, he did get hired in Phoenix. I forgot he did actually get another job in Phoenix. Uh, so going back to LA for a second, um, yeah. Anthony Davis. Remember, I I was wrong in that thinking he would be the third in the big three. I yeah, was yeah, right yeah, in thinking that he would regress. <laughs> I was right yeah. in thinking that he would just not become. It's just funny that something happens to a lot of these guys who, when they end up with LeBron, like they just sort of like who are the the number two, the number two banana, just sort of almost get diminished a little bit like like when Dwayne Wade he got diminished a little bit beside LeBron Kevin Love felt like he got diminished quite a bit going next to LeBron like we don't even think of Kevin Love the same way we did before he played with LeBron even now that he's on his own then it's Anthony Davis we don't think of Anthony Davis as the world beater that he was in New Orleans now that he's playing beside LeBron it just sort of happens something about playing with LeBron it's like it's great for the team, but I don't know that it brings the best out of whoever you know, is that number two guy beside him. You know, it's really interesting um, because, like, yeah, your 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 stats take a bit of a hit. I mean, I think the team efficiency goes up with LeBron being there because he's just yeah, he's that good. And his numbers this year are like what the same as they were ten years ago. It's just insane. Um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting because. I remember they interviewed Anthony Davis and his whole thing was that I'm going to win defensive player of the year. I don't know if he said that last, I don't know if he said that the championship oh, year yeah. going into the following year. And I'm like, wow, that's a really chippy statement. Huge contributor to that championship, especially in the bubble. Um, and, you know, people were calling him the best big man. Um and and really he's going to like almost goat status because he was both physical and can shoot and you know there he he had no limitations so people were saying that about him and and yet he was saying like yeah you know it's I'm gonna win defensive player that's my goal to win defensive player I don't know if I was a day against Gobert or whoever or Embiid um, and then it just hasn't happened. Um, mm. I can't help but think you're probably right. Like playing with LeBron must be so. What's that like in the workplace? Well, you talked about how like you like to get to work early and set the pace. What happens if you're what What happens if you're not the guy that gets early and like you're already behind? Like it's it's nine (laughs) thirty. It's it's nine thirty. But mind you, maybe you work nine thirty to five thirty, so that's not the biggest deal. But you're already there, and you just know this guy's like been crushing you for like an hour, and and he's ready to come to you. It's just like I've done this, this, and this. Are you ready to do this? And, and you're, like, uh, 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 you're catching your breath. Okay, what what I got to do? You're sort of out of sorts because you didn't get a chance to get organized. Yeah, it's very possible that LeBron just sets such a pace in practice, such a pace in tape review, such a pace in the off season, such a pace in everything that he does and he's able to like do all these things and he's basically Dwayne the Rock Johnson he's doing all yeah. <laughs> these things he's going to his own movie premieres and still playing at a high level and you know you're falling short of your own expectations and you're probably second guessing what you like yeah you're second guessing yourself you're second guessing yourself and you're like shit what does LeBron think about me yes and and that's not Maybe LeBron is just the kind of guy that doesn't hand out gold stars a lot. And he might be, maybe his way of being hard on guys is not giving them pats on the back. He just expects you to do your job. And maybe he's the quiet but silent guy. But then like behind scenes is like, yeah, Frank Vogel has got like um, no standing in our locker room. And, you know, like I want him gone type of thing. And he might be having those conversations. He doesn't strike LeBron doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's you see those moments where he's animated on the sidelines because he's called a timeout, he's trying to get those dead, but I don't think that's him twenty four seven. No. You know, I, I think he's the type that um does his work and when you don't do yours, he like <laughs> it, it's understood that you didn't hold up your end of the bargain and you're almost like petrified. So he's like, shit, he's not saying anything, but I know he's mad. 
yeah because he's so he's like passive about it passive aggressive yeah. and like just he's not upfront. so it's like it's like it's unspoken you don't have let's go there's a coldness there's like a, a distance that you'll keep from all the other guys and like it's like what you described how he um yeah and so then that just that starts to chip away at you and you know it's just everything that lebron does when he calls the timeouts even when you see him at the super bowl like at the like in the in his box like everything always seems performative like you're yeah. not getting truly him not to say he's not a good guy not to say he's not done amazing things in the world beyond basketball but it's hard to be around people like that where you can never really be yourself if you know this person's not being themselves you know and so then and also, I think it starts to affect your performance. Yeah, and I also think that a lot of guys fear when he does go to media because LeBron sometimes is very coy. Sometimes he's dragging. I believe the other day he was asked, like, is this team good enough to do well in the playoffs? And he just said no. And it's like, yeah. you're in the back. You're probably hearing this interview and you're probably like, oh, please don't throw, like, please don't throw, <laughs> the, 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 don't throw the bench under the bus, for example. Like, yeah, our bench didn't come through, right? And like, the bench players are like, fuck, I knew you were going to win. It's true. It's not, It's just not, if you're playing with him, it doesn't matter if you're Anthony Davis. It's not like playing with any other teammate that there is, right? It'd be like yeah. when, you know, like, I was thinking about exactly what you're talking about because I was trying to think about LeBron. When I played house league soccer back in grade seven, and there was this one guy. Do you remember Will Deagle? Maybe. Yeah, like, so he was in our year, one year below you. He was super talented as a striker. And he could just take the ball, dribble it through all 10 guys, like, talented enough. He could go right at a guy and get around him, right? He didn't – he was so fast, so quick, and he would just kick the ball in the net. And he would do this probably between 8 and 10 times a game. And then in, somewhere in the first half, maybe even – Maybe it would be somewhere somewhere in the middle of the second half, maybe even the first half, the coach would just have to pull him out because if he didn't do that, he just keeps scoring. And it becomes less of a game with all the other players. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like right. it's just like now it's the will show and it's about you pass it to him and he'll he'll score. Or you don't pass it to him, but it's somehow whether it's you know ball deflecting off different guys, the ball will end up to him and he'll just take it up and then he'll score. And the teams can't do anything about it, and we're not really playing a game anymore. And then the dynamic is like, if you do face a tough team, it's kind of like, well, you just the dynamic is completely off. You're not even a team anymore. You're not even a teammate, you know? So I think that's a bit like how I view LeBron with any of anyone he plays with. Yeah, he's, it, 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 it's hard. And he probably has, uh, it's, and it's crazy because like you the comparison is you know lebron kobe michael um they're all kind of different you see michael clearly he would unwind by playing golf and stuff like that you think of kobe like probably you know after practice is just shooting 300 jump shots at the end of the game and in the practice and probably waking up at four in the morning and doing the same thing and lebron LeBron, I, I've always said this about LeBron. I always felt like he was best equipped to handle losses, and that's maybe why he's. Um, mm. But at the same time, I, I, I do think he might not obsess about individual games, but I'm sure he, in, he I'm sure he's, um, he typecasts people like, like if you, he'll probably remember. LeBron is probably one of those OCD guys that if he saw you ever slacking that one play on defense where you didn't hustle back and that like would have spelled the end of like a a big run and that cost like game three of like a playoff game, man, he's just, that's just his, you're just that guy to him, you know, and, and you're, you're always going to be that guy to him. So I think, I think of, of LeBron obsessing about the game differently than than Kobe. I could see Kobe and Michael being more forgiving. It's just, hey man, you fucked up but you played hard the next game. Whereas LeBron's sure. just like, you're always that guy that didn't play defense that one time and you 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 hosed us in, in that game three. And like that's all I think about when I see your face. You you touch on something really interesting. Think about Kobe, Michael and LeBron Harris. Michael, like okay, hard ass, super competitive. He was a guy who would he he was a bit like extroverted. He would he would like to be around other players and his teammates, whether or not he wanted to 
dominate or whatever, but he liked to so he liked that kind of that camaraderie. He actually alluded to that like in the very beginning of the of his career, right? The traveling yeah. cocaine circus, whatever he called it. Yeah. He liked yeah. the camaraderie. Kobe really didn't care for any of it. Um, but he also was very he's very direct, right? He didn't yeah. he really didn't give two Fs about what was happening. And he was very just he was very isolated. LeBron, he's not isolated. He's surrounded by his family, but he's performative socially among teammates. It's kind of a fake camaraderie, really. It's like a manufactured yeah. camaraderie. And it, that's like almost worse because it's just not up front. It's not up front the way Mike was up front. It's not up front the way Kobe was up front dealing with personalities. And so I think that, I don't know, I just feel like when, when you create that kind of uncertainty in the air, it makes it really hard to perform.